Is there a bouncer? I'm sure. With a code word? I think so. It's a Disney <laughs> property, so I'm sure they'll have Mickey and Minnie at the door. We were <laughs> check- There's like tickets, John. You have to like get a ticket. We're checking tickets. Maybe I don't think we're doing wristbands, but maybe we could add that into the whole package. I just want to be a bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> it's been my dream. <laughs> Welcome back to Buzzcast. We have the usual suspects, myself, Kevin, Albin, and... A first-time special guest from right here in the office, Mr. John Pollard. Hey, Welcome. hey, how's yeah. it going? So for the, the good people that have never been on the receiving end of one of your glorious uh, support emails, helping them with their stuff. Or YouTube videos. Or YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah, there's that one. But yeah. it was the most played, so. Yeah. That's right, most popular. I, mean, I think we found we found the reason. Um, I know the reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you do at Buzzsprout? I am a programmer. And I recently helped with our statistics package, and I got to help on our statistics package back in 2014. So the previous stats. This is a five-year project. (laughs) (laughs) And on both of those. And it'll be continually updated as we we make certain enhancements. Very cool. Well, yeah, no, we're excited that John is joining us, and uh, you'll see why we're very excited that he's here here in a a second when we hit that segment. Um, But we want to start off with two podcast conferences that we have that are coming up. The first one is PodFest, not chronologically, but in the order we're going to talk about them. PodFest in early March down in Orlando. And not only are we super pumped about being able to take a bunch of people, but we're doing something really special for all our bus routers, right, Kevin? That's right. It's March 5th through 8th in Orlando, and we're going to do a huge bus route kickoff party. At Disney Springs, there's a really cool bowling alley down there called Splitsville Luxury Lanes. And it's, at least in my experience, unlike any other bowling alley I've been to, it's really an amazing place. Um, think of like a high-end high end restaurant, really nice bar with a bunch of bowling alleys around it. Um, huge space. And so everybody who got a, a ticket through Buzzsprout or got one on their own or speaking at the conference, we're inviting all of those Buzzsprout people to join us for this kickoff party and it's going to start at it's going to be from five to nine thursday night and then um we'll leave right from there and head straight over to podfest and the podfest kickoff party is at 9 p.m this is going to be a big deal party kevin like drove down there scouted a bunch of locations has like a private area reserved we have food drinks bowling games yeah we're taking over the whole (laughs) (laughs) we're taking over the whole top story which is like the main the main space and it's it's exciting it's a it's a really impressive space and i'm going to be really excited to see it packed out with buzzsprout podcasters so what do people need to do if they want to be at this awesome party well you should have gotten an email if you have a podfest ticket from buzzsprout then you should have gotten an email within the last couple of days. And if you haven't, then you need to drop us an email at support at buzzsprout.com and let us know that you missed that email. Um, because it is an indoor space, there are like fire codes and stuff. They can only let so many people in and we gave out more tickets to Podfest than space we have available for this party. So it is first come first serve on the tickets to this party. So you have to claim a ticket and you have to bring the ticket to the door to get in. Uh, we're oh, also, I forgot to mention, we are providing transportation to and from the hotel. So all you have to do is get yourself to the hotel by about five, we'll have buses just running in loops from the hotel to Splitsville Lanes and back the whole time. Um, so just come out the main entrance of the hotel. You should see a bus. It'll have a bus route name or sticker or something on the side. Hop on that bus. It'll bring you to Splitsville Lanes. You can come have some food and drink and enjoy bowling and maybe win some prizes. 
And when you're finished, it, uh, enjoy your time at Disney Springs. If you want to hang out there for a while, it's a very cool place. When you're ready to head back, the final bus leaves at like 9.15, and that will get you back to PodFest in time for their official kickoff ceremonies. Is there a bouncer? I'm sure. With a code word? I think so. It's a Disney <laughs> property, so I'm sure they'll have Mickey and Minnie at the door. We were <laughs> sure. There's like tickets, John. You have to like get a ticket. We're checking tickets. Maybe I don't think we're doing wristbands, but maybe we could add that into the whole package. I just want to be a bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> it's been my dream. <laughs> yeah. So if you did not get that email and you're going to PodFest, please write into support so we can make sure you get that email so you can register, get your ticket. It's going to be phenomenal, um, and we're super excited about just having so many Buzzsprouters at that podcast conference. It could be amazing. The other conference we want to talk about was PM Evolutions, and Albin and John, you guys are heading to that one later this week. So as this episode episode goes out, you guys will actually be at this conference. Yeah, Podcast Movement Evolutions. Obviously, Podcast Movement is the first podcasting conference that's been around since 2014, and they're huge. Now they're doing a second one out in LA called Evolutions. And Evolutions is a little bit smaller, a little more intimate. And I think the goal there is it's all about the changing landscape of podcasting. So a lot of the talks seem to be focused on what's changing in podcasting, new things that are happening. That's what change means, I guess. <laughs> I'm now defining the word change. Um, so anyway, that one's going to be fun. John and I are going to be there. Um, so that's this Thursday to Saturday. And on Thursday, our own John Pollard is actually going to be speaking at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Yeah, I'm excited. Should be a lot of fun. What's the talk on? Have you written it yet? I'm writing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's on podcast trends. So um, I was able to use a lot of the data that we have at Buzzsprout to try to figure out trends that are occurring from podcasters and listeners. And so I was able to create some really cool charts, even animated charts. Mm, so really cool stuff to look at um and some good stuff to learn it's it's pretty interesting data so you you dug through something like hundreds of millions of plays and all these downloads and tons of episodes to pull together stuff that's changing yeah we actually took all our data put it in a completely different database so we could run this analysis to come up with this data so it was a lot of back-end heavy work to try to get this data. Algorithms, AI, neural nets. Yeah, I basically had 100 people working around the clock (laughs) to get this done. Very nice. So if you're listening to this and you happen to catch John's talk, make sure you tell him how you thought it was, especially if it's good. Yes, or bad. (laughs) I can take it. So let's go ahead and and talk about your talk a little bit because uh, one of the things we want to talk about in this episode were some trends, some things we were seeing with our Buzzsprout podcast specifically. So uh, John, go ahead and kind of like dip our toes a little bit into what you're going to be talking about uh, at PM Evolutions. Yeah. So a lot of the data you see going, um, talked about online, they involve surveys, podcasting in general. It's usually more guesses. And so what I wanted to do, instead of having people guess about how often they actually podcast or do things because people seem to be really bad at that. (laughs) You ask them how often they go to the gym. They say they're going to the gym. Oh yeah, I go three times a week, but they don't even go once a month. So I wanted to try to figure out the actual data to figure out what, what was occurring. Cause I would hear different things like episode durations are getting shorter. And I was like, are they, you know, it's, 
I want to actually see if some, if we see this data to be true, instead of just asking people, well, how long are your episodes? How long do you think they typically are? So the first thing I went over was apps. And the number one app, as everyone knows, was Apple. Five years in a row, I did data from 2015 to 2020. The second big cool thing that occurred was, as we'd all expect from 2018 to 2019, you really saw Spotify come out of nowhere into second place. And it makes sense. They're investing hundreds of millions of dollars. They're buying tons of original content. They're really doubling down in the podcasting space and trying to get as many podcasts as they can, as well as high quality content. The other interesting app was CastBox. CastBox wasn't even on the chart in 2015, but by 2019 was in fifth place. And you can see they raised $30 million. They're a global app. They're really investing a lot in different cultures in countries. So in China, they have a social aspect to their app called Community. And so they're really trying to get their own programming. And so you see them really investing. And that's really what you see in all the podcasts. Anyone who's investing a lot in their app or show, they're, they're rising. They're doing well. John, who was number two before Spotify took that spot? Number two in 2015 was the web browser. Ah. So just general. And you see it, it the web browser remains um, number three by 2020 or 2019, the end of 2019. But with that, you see the Buzzsprout website, which was fourth in 2015, ends up leaving the charts from the top 10 for multiple years and then comes back in 2019 to number eight. And I suspect that both of those is due to SEO, how people are sharing their episodes. Churches are a big, you know, it's a big part of the podcasting community and they push a lot of their audio online. And so you can kind of see the traction and the funneling that's happening for some of these apps. I didn't just do mobile apps. I did their sources. So that's why you see the the browser and embed players in the top 10. And so the Buzzsprout website, I called the comeback kid. He <laughs> <laughs> comes back. And I think a lot of it has to do with what we've done with it. Uh, yeah, we did the full redesign. Yeah. And transcripts. Oh, so that's I, right. So now people are finding it, which is the same thing with the website. People are now finding it. Um, I guess so, Google Podcasts too, because that's often the page that Google indexes for yeah. Google Podcasts. So I wonder if that drives more people to find podcasts. On so Google Podcasts finished 11th. But when I looked at a month by month comparison, it actually was rising up to be in the top about seven. So I suspect in 2020, it will be well into the top 10. But you see it rising, and I, yeah, I agree with you. Now, when you search for a podcast in Google, you'll find many podcasts. You know, so it's just another place that they're funneling traffic to find people discoverability of podcasts. One interesting thing I thought was Luminary, considering all the companies that spend a lot of money didn't see Luminary, and part of that should make sense is they're trying to own a lot of their own content, so it's not going to show up in our charts. You know, they spent I think the second most amount on podcasting. Uh, but they're not in the chart. And I didn't see it on a lot of other charts. And they're still a podcatcher. So they're still scraping probably Apple podcast directory to fill out their their app in addition to their siloed content, right? Yeah, I suspect not as much. I don't think they have as much. Like Spotify wins just like CastBox because they have so many podcasts. Gotcha. And when you have so many, plus you have really good content and original content that you're investing in, you're just driving the traffic to your app because then that's what listeners are going to use. 
Another thing that I took a look at was countries. Countries is a little more consistent. With the apps, you saw the ranking differ per year, almost every single year, where countries was pretty consistent. U.S. and U.K. remain at the top. You have Canada and Australia battling out for third and fourth. One of the things I thought was really interesting is in 2015, the ranking of all the top countries where plays are coming from was the exact same in 2019. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our top 10 were exactly the same. Now they bounced around. India came on the scene for a while. So did Sweden. But in the end, they actually finished in the, in the same ranking. When you look at a month by month comparison, and I look at it over, over that time, you see that the countries are actually catching up to the U.S. Now that could be descriptive of Buzzsprout, could be a podcasting in general. I think it's a both. I think both are expanding as it gets more popular in other countries, as people's mobile devices and technology also uh, gets better, they're getting better access to podcasts. Yeah. Well, I would expect though, that if any stat was going to be more skewed because of uh, Buzzsprout being the source of the data, it might be that one yeah. being that Buzzsprout is a U.S. company, primarily English speaking customers. Uh, I would expect that the majority of the listens come from English speaking countries, which is kind of what we're seeing in the data. Right. Yeah. Like, I think um, podcasting again from other data sources, it seems as though it is growing uh, pretty significantly like in Asia and stuff, but we're not seeing a ton of that most likely because our customers don't represent those countries. Yeah. I took a look at some other companies and what statistics they had on countries. I mean, we're similar, but I would suspect that we're missing a piece of the pie just from our, our customers. Right. So it's more descriptive of us. I, I agree. Another thing I took a look at was percentiles. So what's the top percentile of all our podcasters? How many plays are they getting within 90 days? So I took the average for the 99 percentile, 95, 90, 50, 75, a bunch of different percentiles. So I could just compare the data and I did it over 90 days. So I can actually see at seven days, how many plays do they have at 30 days? How many plays do they have? And I can compare a couple of cool things was 99%. They leave the pack almost immediately and they keep leaving the pack. So by day 60, while the 50 percentile may not be getting that many more plays, 99 percentile are still getting a lot of plays. Hmm. So it's, it's really interesting to compare. 99 percentile is getting 70 times more plays than the 50 percentile. The 90 percentile was getting seven times more plays than the 50 percentile. And so those percentiles, that's just in reference to out of the podcast that we host, you know, let's say we have 100,000 podcasts. So the top 1,000 podcasts, this was their download trajectories. And then the top 95,000 or the top 95% would be like the top 5,000 podcasts in their trajectories, right? Correct. It would be the, the average of all their plays for their episodes at the 90-day mark. Gotcha. And so what were some of those numbers? Because uh, I know a lot of people will ask, you know, I'm getting this many downloads per episode. Is that normal? Am I doing well? Should I, you know, am I in the right spot for how young my podcast is? So what, I guess, give us, give us some, uh, some ideas of what those numbers look like for those different percentile breakdowns. Yeah, it's a great question. At the 25th percentile, again, 25 plays. 50 percentile, 50 plays. 75 percentile, 125 plays. 90 percentile, 350 plays. And then if you went to 99 percentile, it's 3,500 plays. Wow. Now, I think for some people, when I first read the 50 percentile, I thought, that's lower. That's lower than what I expected. Mm -hmm. I think it's due to two things. One, we'll see later with churches 
in the religion and spirituality and how they push content, they don't get very many plays. You also, I think people are download number fraud, <laughs> I think is real. <laughs> I think people are inflating their numbers to make themselves feel better, to push out, to try to get more traction with their podcast. And it's just not the truth. The exciting part about it is that if you're getting more than 50 plays an episode in 90 days, you're in the top 50% of all our podcasts. And that should be exciting. If, if you think that there are over 30 million YouTube channels and only a million podcasts, and for plays, we're talking 50 plays in 90 days, that should give you a lot of hope and optimism that by just trying you know, to push content to your podcast episodes right. and being in the apps, doing the transcripts, you are going to be in that upper echelon. Right. And I think those are really important numbers for our audience to hear because Buzzsprout is the, the everyday podcasters podcasting host, right? <clears throat> like we absolutely have a few clients that do tens of thousands of downloads per episodes, but that's not our target market. Our target market is somebody who's excited about getting into podcasting for whatever their reason. And we want to make it really easy for that to happen for them. Um, and so there are a lot of hosting companies that target high profile celebrity podcasters. And because of that, their data is skewed because those, you know, a Conan O'Brien, a Mark Marin, uh, a Joe Rogan, they're going to do hundreds of thousands of plays per episode. And so when you look at the average play count for episodes across that network, those numbers are going to be inflated by having those celebrity podcasts on their network. Buzzsprout being a podcast host for the everyday podcaster, um, these numbers are more in line with the, the numbers that anybody listening to this show should be shooting for. So again, we have a few that are hugely successful, but the vast majority of our customers, like John said, are doing the 50 percentile. If you're doing 50 plays per episode, you're in the top 50% of, of hundreds of thousands of podcasts that we have on our platform. Right. Well, and even the 90, what was the 95% number again? The 95th percentile was 750 plays. Right. So 750 plays, if you're, you know, really focused on creating high quality content, and you consistently push out episodes every single week, that is extremely achievable over the course of a year or two to be in that top 5% of our podcasts. Um, and so there certainly is a path to being able to grow your show and grow your audience um, if you apply the right principles and, the, and really put some effort behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of a guy who had a medical podcast. He wrote in and he said, can someone look at my stats? One of my episodes is getting a lot of plays. He had good content. He had a good podcast, good descriptions, transcript, story. So he had everything to draw the people to his podcast. He was in a lot of different apps. And what was happening is he had a podcast episode on the Ebola virus. Well, what was trending for that week was the Ebola virus. And so people were searching, finding his podcast and playing it and sharing it. And so he was in the top 10% of all our podcasts from having all of those things mixed together. And so if anyone is creating great content and pushing it, I believe that sooner or later you will be in that top 10%. Yeah. Now everyone who's listening to this is going to name their next episode coronavirus. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's part of driving traffic and driving, <laughs> driving SEO. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was what, at least a dozen impeachment podcasts that came out in the last several months, just with everything going on with the U.S. politics. There's, there's a reason they know that people are looking for that content. So give the people what they want, right? 
So another thing I want to take a look at was podcast categories. So looking at the main category that podcasts are in at Buzzsprout. And these are the Apple podcast categories, correct? Correct. So what I did is I took Apple podcast as the new categories, but I mixed some of those in with the old categories just to limit the, the, the number of sheer categories. Over 60% of all our podcasts are in five categories, religion, spirituality, arts, business, society, and culture, and comedy. And you see religion and spirituality, not only reflective of the podcasts that are at Buzzsprout, but also podcasts in general. From every other study I can find, religion and spirituality are the most. And you see that in churches. Churches have tons of content. They're Mm -hmm. constantly speaking every Sunday during the week. And so they just want to get their audio online for people to find it. And so they push it online. Are there any um, of the categories that kind of stand out as having more potential than other ones? You know, I read a lot of articles of people trying to figure out what podcast category they should be in, but I really don't think you should choose based on the size of a category. I think you should choose based on the relevancy of your content. And so I think it's one of those, one of those charts that when you see it, you go, Oh, it looks like there's opportunity in that place, but you forget what you know, you forget what you can talk about. You forget who you are. And I think you just have to realign yourself and focus. Yeah. But what content can I provide that would be great content? Cause that's, what's really going to win in the end, whether it's a category that doesn't have many people in there. Well, maybe that's good. Maybe you'll stand out, you know, really easily, but maybe it's a real uh, popular podcast category. And then you have a lot of people searching for it. So if you're doing like a crochet crochet arts and crafts podcast, don't go and like, be like, I'm doing scrapping it. I'm going into true crime because there's opportunity there. Stick with what you're enjoying and what you're doing. Well, did you overlay like the play data with the popularity of the categories? Good question. Mm. (laughs) Yes, I did. So one of the things I want to look at was for each category, what's the average number of plays or really the median number of plays for each of those those categories. And I did median instead of average because some podcasters, as we saw, were just, it's this exponential scale of, of how many plays they're getting. So our number one category was 300 plays for meeting. And that was history. Now, if you see our categories history, we actually don't have a ton of podcasts from history, but the ones that we do are just high quality. They're getting a lot of plays. The second one is what is you, what anyone would uh, suspect true crime hmm. at 280. And then it really goes down to about a hundred plays for leisure, science, medicine, technology, fiction, until you get down to religion, spirituality, which gets about 22 plays. So you really see even that 50 play mark, you know, it's going to be held down from that religion, spirituality. You can tell from which podcast category you're in, how many plays you would expect. So if you're doing a, a religion, a religion, spirituality podcast, and you're getting 25 plays per episode, you're in the top 50%. You're doing better than average, but if you're in the true, true crime category and you're doing, what was the number there Two something? 283. 283 to be in the top 50%. Yeah. And you see true crime is popular. So a lot of people want to go find true crime podcasts. They search for it in an app. There's other podcasts that are very similar that are pushing content to you of true crime podcasts, religion, spirituality, a lot of churches put their podcast online. They're not driving traffic. They're not right. pushing. They're just trying to get their audio online and move on with right. That's a good differentiator doing. because uh, religious organizations are probably not going to market their content nearly as much as some of these other categories. Yeah, you see people they put a player with all their episodes. Well, that's not going to drive content. You don't have any content saying 
any SEO keywords, any of the optimization, they're not going to find your podcast that way. And you're probably not marketing, pushing it as all these other categories are. One of the things I also want to look at was the episode durations. So what's the length of the average episode? And I saw a bunch of reports saying it was trending downward. For us, I did not find that. It seems about consistent, 38, 39 minutes every year since 2013. What a coincidence that Buzzcast is 38 or 39 minutes about every, every other week. Yeah, so I saw it be pretty consistent. And a lot of people want to know how long should an episode be. And again, I think they want to they want to derive some answer from data. Instead, it should come from your content. This arbitrary time shouldn't dictate how long it is. It should be the amount of high quality you have. Or the content shouldn't just fit some arbitrary length. The length should fit your great content. Right. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were like, oh, what's the right length for a movie? And then you went and looked at all the, like the best picture winners for the last 30 years and then did the average. Like, that's the number. Cut that one scene at the end because we want to hit the magic, you know, Oscar number. Like that would make no sense. It's all about the content. All right. So with the episode durations being pretty much the same every year, the other thing I wanted to look at was how long are episodes per publishing schedule? So if you publish every day, how long are they typically? If you publish every week, once a month. Mm -hmm. And just as you would expect, every day was about 20 minutes. Every other day, 28 minutes. And it quickly goes up to about 40, 41 minutes. So it's actually a little bit longer until you get to past 22 days, which I think are people not podcasting regularly or having uh, consistent episodes. So like 40, 41 minutes for publishing on a weekly schedule? Yes. So it's pretty cool to see... It makes sense, right? If you're publishing every day, there's a couple of things you may be doing. One, you got to push out a lot of a lot of content, so it can't be as long. The other is, I think flash briefings are becoming more popular, or you have like five minute Mondays. So you see, while that the length of your episode shouldn't dictate your show, you see certain shows that are geared towards those links, and those are the only people that really should be carrying. If you're doing a flash briefing, it has to be short, given the nature. If you are trying to be there for certain uh, listeners on a commute or something, you want it to be short, something they're going to listen to often, then it is going to be like a five minute Monday, quick tips, things to help people. So those are the only times when I actually see durations matter. But I think we make the episode duration more important than it, than it should be. What about um, publishing frequency? How does that tie into like the, the numbers that shows are doing? So yeah, I took the publishing schedule. So again, I looked at every single day, what were the percent of podcasters that published each of those, those days? The most common as you would expect, once a week. If you're trying to decide again by a publishing schedule, how often you should be uh, publishing your episodes, I looked at the top percent, top 1%, 5%, 10%, 25%, looked at the bottom. They were all within, on average, 10 to 13 days. So again, no real statistical significance. And I think it's the same as true as we all suspect. Be consistent, quality over quantity. The great content is going to live on. The poor content dies quickly. And you just have to remember that the content is king in podcasting still. It's not the tech. It's going to be your content. You see that with all the big apps. They're trying to get the best content they can. You see all in the best shows. They publish at different times. They have different episode lengths. They're in different categories, but they have great content. Alvin, do you want to share the, the Nas marketing? Because I feel like that is a perfect example 
of someone succeeding by pushing audio and driving traffic. Yeah. You're talking about Lil Nas X doing the, uh, his old town road stuff. Yeah. Yeah. John, and I found this, somebody did a whole tweet storm about old town road and apparently he was running this like meme account for years, just getting tons of people involved in just building an audience. And he built an audience long before he had a product, his own music. And then when he realized he would get thousands of likes on memes, but only like 10 likes on his music. And so it's this whole thread of like iterating dozens of times going, okay, what if I like created memes with my music in the background and then probably was also seeding a lot of questions like, man, that song's awesome. What, who is that? And then linking to that again and be like, yo, check out this song I just found. Here it is. Um, But it was just a great thread of like over and over trying new marketing techniques and eventually they're all hitting and he'd find like loopholes. Uh, like he was like, okay, getting into hip hop charts are so much harder than country. So he's like, yellow town roads, a country song that's, and it was just so that he could hit the charts. And then everyone got mad and was like, we're kicking it out of country. And so then it even got bigger cause it was a controversy. Um, I don't know. It's just like a kind of a cool story of if you're trying to market something, you are going to have to fail a ton of times. But uh, the one, the things that land, you get a few of those in a row and things can really take off. Yeah. I was really impressed with how strategic and intentful every step seemed of, I want a lot of people listen to my music because I want to be a rapper. I want to be a hip hop star. Well, I need a lot of people to listen to it. When I share it, people don't really want to hear just another thing that's just shared out into the world. But if I can draw interest, people do like memes. I'm going to add my song to that. And then people start asking, he said at one point, people were asking, what's that song with the horses in the back? But it wasn't the name of the song. So we changed the title of the song to be in quotations or parentheses, horses in the back. So he's making it easy for people to find it. Yeah, He's put it in places that makes it really accessible. And he's now generating an audience where he's pushing that content and he's very successful. So you see someone who has a lot of intentionality, who has a, who's really working step-by-step to push their content and push good content, how successful they are. So I thought it was a great story. I mean, that one was a music file, but it could be a podcast audio file. You know, it could be anyone really trying to, to, to push their content. Yeah, that's really interesting. The idea of um, changing the title of the track, I think, is really interesting and applicable to podcasting because we can totally do that. You can always log into your Buzzsprout account. You can edit a previous podcast episode. And so there might have been something that you talked about months ago that for whatever reason is now becoming a more popular topic and you might want to rename the title or update your show notes. For anybody who hasn't subscribed and downloaded that episode already, then that information becomes available in the different directories. So when people search on that stuff that is trending now, uh, they're more likely to find your show. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you have a title that's something like episode 424, and then there's a quote, which is like a joke from the episode, that's not going to get really any clicks. Like a lot of people do this kind of like inside joke from the episode. And then you find out what it is later is the title. And then it's not going to drive anything. But if you are a doctor talking about diseases, like name things, Hey, I'm talking about Ebola virus today. Hey, I'm talking about this topic today. And podcasting is so, there's so much to talk about in the world and yet so few podcasts in comparison. When you look at how much YouTube content there is or written content, podcasting is still so tiny. 
And so if you're going to talk about something, try to own that namespace and put it up. And especially with Apple Podcasts is a pretty basic search algorithm. I mean, people who interview Seth Godin should always have Seth Godin in the title, you know, put the name of the people you're interviewing in there, um, put your main topics in. And uh, I mean, there's been quite a few people that have looked at this and seen really big results when they change their titles to be a specific keyword um, that people might be looking for. Now, I've got a question about uh, just kind of looking at the durations or the the gap between new episodes published. Did you happen to see any data on popular days of the week of what day during the week people like to publish episodes? I did not look at it from from that perspective. I think the biggest thing overall, everything where I could try to find some statistical significance, it was I could not find it when it came to publishing schedules or episode links. I would look at episodes and I would see when they're published. And sometimes it didn't even look like a rhyme or reason. They published it. It was high quality content. They're driving traffic to it. So it became popular. It didn't matter. Nothing else really mattered. It can, maybe you'll get a few more likes if you have an American audience and you publish it during a popular American time of travel commute. But well, it aligns with the medium. I mean, podcasting is a, is a passive medium. And so most of the time, at least on my phone anyway, all my podcast episodes I listen to are downloaded in the background whenever that happens. I don't even know when half these shows drop. I just know that, you know, in certain days I listen to certain things or my podcast app and there's a new one available. I I know basically how often these shows release. Like I know uh, my most popular shows, for the most part, I'm going to get a new episode every week. And if I don't, I miss it. But I don't know exactly what day they drop. That's really not an important thing. Yeah, I think that's, if someone were to ask advice, I would say publishing regularly. People are habitual. They like the routines. They expect it. They like your podcast. They're going to expect something coming out. But beyond that, I mean, you can miss an episode and the person's just going to miss your episode. They'll be waiting for that next one. But more than anything, you, you just got to push good content. All right. So to wrap up this episode, we've got a listener question because you know how we mentioned at the end of episodes that there's a link that you could submit topics. Well, we read those. And uh, Alex submitted a question about owning your podcast RSS feed. So I'll read the question and I'll queue it up for uh, discussion. And so Alex wrote in saying, I'm worried about not owning my podcast RSS feed, despite the 301 redirects. Is there an option for that? There are many posts online about Apple's mirror links and feed burner forwarding. It's all very confusing. Can you help clarify all this? So I think, first of all, the conversation about owning your podcast RSS feed, like what is that? And maybe like the second part of kind of the conversation can be, what do we think about the mirror links and feed burner and pros and cons and that kind of stuff? Sure. Let me, I'll hop in. So the idea about owning your own podcast RSS feed, it can mean two different things. It can mean um, like owning your content and having all the rights to the content that you push out through your podcast. Um, and that's that's something that you really don't have to worry a lot about with with any reputable podcast host. So pretty much anyone that you've ever heard of in the podcast hosting space, it's, it's pretty much a non-issue. There was a time in the last year or so when that came in under scrutiny, uh, specifically with Anchor. And some of the terms in their terms of service um, were very questionable. And so Anchor went back and they revised those. Um, 
and, and made people a lot more comfortable. Basically, they took the legalese, they translated it and, and made a few adjustments. And, and most people are comfortable with the way that reads now. Uh, more than likely, though, what I think you're asking about when you say this is Alex. Yes. So, Alex, I think what you're asking about is the, the, um, the idea that there are some podcast hosts that make this a big part of their marketing message. They say you need to own your podcast feed. And that's because historically, so like podcasting has been around for about 15 years or so. There have been a lot of people who've come in and out of the podcast hosting space during that time. There were some people who came into the podcast hosting space and just didn't do a good job of providing a good product. And unfortunately they went out of business. Some of those people were able to uh, do the right thing when they closed doors and offered everyone to redirect off of their platform to a new platform of their choice. There were some people who either, I don't want to think that they didn't care enough, but maybe they weren't able to just because they just ran out of money and had to close up shop, but they weren't able to offer that to their, their customer base. So some people ended up losing subscribers because the host that they were with just closed up shop one day. Um, I think that's more in line with the, the message that people are talking about when they say you have to own your own podcast feed so you, you don't run into that situation. So I think that's what we want to talk about, right? Yeah, I mean, Alex, you're not alone. It is confusing. There's so many options and you're not the first person that I've heard ask it. Um, you know, FeedBurner is pretty cool. You can basically put something in the middle so that no matter what happens, you've got an insurance policy. And that's kind of the right way to think about it. I mean, FeedBurner, you don't own it as much as just the same way that you don't have complete control as other places, you know, like you can't completely control your Buzzsprout RSS feed. Um, but it is kind of an insurance policy. Is that a fair way of putting it? Cause you, it's still on a Google domain. Right. So it, it's a, it's a shaky insurance policy. <laughs> One, it's kind of, ex, it's expensive in the fact that it takes a little bit of work to set it up. And there are drawbacks. So uh, a buzz, uh, not a buzz sprout, but a feed burner feed can only be one megabyte. Like that's the largest size it can be. So as soon as your source feed, so let's say you host on Buzzsprout and you get to two or 300 episodes and all of those episodes have pretty lengthy descriptions or show notes, then that feed is going to start to grow over a megabyte. And as soon as it does, FeedBurner stops updating. So what you'll see is you'll log into Apple Podcasts and all of a sudden your new episodes aren't showing up there anymore. And it's because your feed has ex exceeded the size limit on FeedBurner. So you always have to then keep a, a what do we call it? A max feed? Or, or feed we call limit. It a feed limit. That's right. We call it a feed limit. It's one of the main reasons that feature is in Buzzsprout is for people who are using FeedBurner. So that's one of the, the, the expenses that you'll pay besides the initial setup. Um, the other thing to think about is that you're buying an insurance policy um, and, and we don't know how long they're going to continue to offer that product. Yeah. Like I'm carrying the insurance analogy maybe a little bit too far now. But the idea that um, Google has not updated FeedBurner in years and years and years. I mean, I think the last time they updated that product was probably six or seven years ago. They pretty much like sunsetted it, but they haven't taken it off the market yet. So you could make an argument for, hey, that's it's nice to have that in there because if you want to switch hosts, then you just you don't need to rely on a 301 redirect anymore. You just change your source feed in FeedBurner, but FeedBurner could up and shut down any day. And the chances of that happening, I would say are higher than if you're with one of like the top five podcasting hosts and, and I'll name those. And, and this is just my opinion. It's not necessarily based on the size of the company. It's based on our interactions with the company and what we know about them. So we bump into a lot of our competitors at these conferences we get to know some of them personally, and we just know a little bit about their business model. So in my mind, the, the top five are, are Buzzsprout, of course, 
um, Libsyn, Blueberry, Podbean, and Spreaker. I think if you're on any of those five, then you have nothing to worry about in terms of stability of the company. And if something unforeseen or unannounced uh, happens, I think all of those companies would do everything in their power to make sure that all of their customers have the opportunity and plenty of time to move off of their platform and find a new home for their podcast without anything to worry about. I would feel comfortable making that recommendation to anyone. Um, now there's a lot of other podcast hosts. There's probably another 15 or 20 that we could all rattle off off the top of our heads. I'm not saying anything negative about those companies. I'm just saying, I don't, they, they don't have the track record or we don't have the personal relationships with them to be able to make that statement about them. Right. And coming back, I guess, to the origin of the question, really the worry here is not that like all of a sudden you don't have your audio files anymore or anything like that. It's that the people that had subscribed to your podcast, like if your feed disappears, and you put it on a new host and you push your episodes out, they're not going to get those unless they resubscribe to your podcast, right? That's right. So it's really a fear of um, potentially losing subscribers because the host that you have shuts down with, uh, without giving you the ability or the time to, to redirect your, your feed to a new host. And it certainly could happen. There are there, and there are other hosts that like, um, like any free host. So I don't need to name the free host, but there are some free podcasting hosts. I, I and I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't trust a free host to, to host my podcast RSS feed because I'm not paying them anything. So they don't really owe me anything. So the idea if one of these podcasts, these free podcast hosts shuts down tomorrow, like what right do I have to go to you and say, Hey, you just totally messed up my podcast. And I lost all my subscribers. Well, like I haven't done anything for you. I haven't paid you. We have no agreement. We have no contractual obligation one way or the other. And so it's something to think about when you're setting up a podcast, like if, if you're getting it for free, there, there's going to be a cost for it. Like it's not really ever free. One of those costs might be that, Hey, if they want to shut down or they don't want to change the way they do things, like what, you don't really have a whole lot of reason to get upset about that. If they want to start putting ads in between your shows or around your shows or in their proprietary players, they want to start showing ads while people are listening to your content. You don't really have a whole lot of uh, a reason to argue that or have expectations otherwise. So again, it's not, I'm not, knocking them or, or dinging them or anything. I'm just, I, I think we should just be aware that <clears throat> one, the idea of owning your own um, podcast feed, there is some legitimacy to it, but more often than not, it's kind of a marketing message. And, um, and two, if you're on a, a free podcast host, I think it is something that you should think about. If you're on a paid host, especially in one of the, the five that I listed, I think that it's, it's probably not worth the trouble because it's, again, your options are using somebody like FeedBurner that may change things tomorrow or, um, or like even the Apple mirror links, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation, but the idea of using Apple, um, they provide you a link very similar to like what FeedBurner provides to you. And then using that to submit your show to Spotify or anybody else, man, Apple could change things tomorrow as well. And they're, you're not paying them anything. They, um, they don't owe you anything in terms of continuing to keep that mirror link up. That's something new that they just introduced a couple of years ago before that they didn't have it. And we have no idea how interested they are in keeping it around for the long term. So my recommendation would be go with one of the established podcast hosting in the five that I listed were Buzzsprout, Libsyn, Podbean, Spreaker, and, and then Blueberry and Blueberry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're with one of those five, you're perfectly safe. Um, they're good companies backed by good people who care about podcasters and are going to try their best to always do the right thing, regardless of the circumstances of their business, they will give, I believe they'd give their customers plenty of time to move should something unforeseen happen with their business. Very nice. So Alex, hopefully that was helpful, clarified that question for you. If you have a question or a topic that you want us to discuss on a future episode of Buzzcast, 
then you can click the link in the show notes and submit. It's a two-question Google form. What's your name? What do you want us to talk about? So try to make it as easy as possible for you to send us your feedback. And if you aren't already a part of our Facebook group of more than 6,000 podcasters and you use Facebook, then make sure you're a part of that because it's a really cool community. Everyone's in there helping each other, offering tips and feedback and celebrating wins and things like that. It's a really cool community to be a part of. And if you are at PodFest coming up in March, then we are super pumped to see you. Um, But that's all we have for this week. Until the next uh, episode, keep podcasting.